The Xerces Society advocates on behalf of threatened, endangered, and at-risk invertebrates and their habitats, from the world's rarest butterflies to caddisflies that live solely in one stream to declining bumblebee populations, the Xerces Society is dedicated to protecting invertebrates and the ecosystems that depend on them. Over the past four decades, they have protected endangered species and their habitats, produced groundbreaking publications on insect conservation, trained thousands of farmers and land managers to protect and manage habitat, and raised awareness about the invertebrates of forests, prairies, deserts, and oceans. Joining me today, Matthew Shepard, Director of Communications and Outreach for the Xerces Society. Welcome, Matthew. Thank you so much. So this is like a huge subject, right? And most people, when we think of invertebrates, we're not really sure what you're talking about. Why don't you tell us about, you know, how this whole organization began, which was about in 1971, and why it matters? Yeah, of course. The the Xerxes Society was founded by Robert Michael Pyle, who is a um, a, a well-known author and environmentalist conservationist who has a particular interest in butterflies. He was actually in Britain at the time um, and went up to London one evening and listened to a, a lecture all about the large blue butterfly, which back then was just on, on the verge of extinction in Britain. And on his way back, he was like, why, why is there no organization working to protect butterflies like that? Um, and so he decided the next day that this was something he, he needed to do and he was going to create this organization. Um, and, I mean, he, he's a British, I mean, he was in Britain, but he's an American, so he knew about the Xerxes blue butterfly, um, which is one of the first insects known to go extinct in North America because of human activity. And it had lived in the, on the San Francisco Peninsula, and as that city expanded, all of its habitat disappeared. So that's the inspiration for our name. So we're named after a now extinct butterfly. Yeah, it's the reason I found you guys is somebody gave me a book called Feeding the Bees, and then it was produced mm-hmm. by the Xerxes Society. And so just so people understand, we're talking about really pollinators, right, and their habitats. Um, with, with bees, sure. I mean, butterflies are also pollinators, and pollinator conservation has become I mean, a, a, a major part of our work. But we also work on all sorts of other insects and other invertebrates. And, I mean, you mentioned earlier some people might get confused by what an invertebrate is, and I should say that's a, any animal without the backbone. Um, it's a technical description, um, but that includes insects, so bees, butterflies, beetles, bugs, lacewings, and and all sorts of other stuff, but also spiders, snails, slugs, freshwater mussels, for example. Um, And so our work does encompass all of those. And as you said, it's it's a huge task, but also fundamental given just how important these animals are to the, the health and the well-being of our ecosystem. Yeah, we just we just had a big article in our newspaper. I know you guys did a bunch on the monarch butterfly. Mm-hmm. And so it was funny, you know, I'd never heard of you and then I reached out and then here's an article produced by you guys, so it's like I'm I'm meant to know who you are. Talk to us about, you know, what you guys are seeing and, you know, certainly as, you know, development in communities starts to expand out. We, we often talk about wetlands and birds, but, I mean, bugs, literally, invertebrates, are 
so important to our ecosystem, but it adds a yuck factor that most people don't really want to address. How, I mean, how do you educate us to know that, you know, bugs are just as important as birds and trees and flowers? Yeah, I mean, as you say, for, for some people, they just kind of inherently get the fact that trees and flowers are important or they see birds and they go, oh, that, that's lovely. And they don't see those as a, as a threat or a pest. And so for, for the, those of us working on insect conservation, overcoming that ew factor, I mean, people see something and they, they go, ew, and they step back from it. Um, and sometimes they can't get beyond the idea that, you know, flies that are going to, you know, walk around on your food or mosquitoes that are going to bite you or um, wasps that might sting you whilst trying to steal your picnic. Um, so there are all of these these negative images. But there's also bumblebees. I mean, bumblebees are a, a fantastic group of insects that are cute and colorful and people don't feel threatened by them. Butterflies, again, are... Um, the beautiful, and it's sometimes referred to as flying flowers. Just to, you know, that gives you a sense of how people accept them as something of beauty and something of value and something that that they want to protect because they just love them. And so, we some of our work, we are just trying to get people to overcome their um, dislike of insects, and it's something that we have to do every day. I can't. I don't know how many times I've had a conversation about the importance of insects to our environment. You know the bees that pollinate flowers that bring maybe as much as one-third of um, the food and drink that we consume in a day a result from pollination by an insect. Um, the, the clothes, the fabrics, cotton, for example, that we wear and our bed sheets are made of, we have that thanks to an insect. If we didn't have um, flies and beetles and others that are out there chewing away and helping to decompose uh, dead things, whether that's a dead animal or a dead plant, you know, we would be waist high in filth in our environments. Um, in in the, the creeks you have, I've mentioned freshwater mussels that we work on, but that they filter water and they keep water clean and they can take toxins out of water. So there are lots of things that insects and other invertebrates bring to us and help us so that we can um, eat, so that we can go fish for salmon, so that we can dangle our feet in a, in a chilly creek on a hot day and not feel like they're going um, gonna to come out grubby and dirty. Um, there's just all these different ways that, that we benefit from insects because of what they do to our environment. Absolutely. Now, you guys are based in Portland, but you do have other locations around the country, and I'm guessing that there's quite a presence in Washington, D.C., is that would that be a correct statement? We don't actually have anybody based right there. Um, our, our staff are in fifteen or sixteen different states now, um, and a lot of those they're just they're going out every day and they're working with landowners, working with farmers, working with agency staff, with Natural Resources Conservation Service or Fish and Wildlife Service or one of the state agencies to to give them the information to give them. Um, advice and guidance on creating and managing habitat. That's not to say that we're not involved with what happens in Washington, D.C., um, and so some of us are, in, are working with senators or representatives, or um, often we uh, collaborate with other nonprofit organizations that do have staff based in D.C. to make sure that 
um, we, we had a hope of influencing what happens there. Well, yeah, because during, you know, a, a lot of last year was talking about, you know, open space and the protection of open space in a lot of, of course, the Western states, but, you know, that affects everybody everywhere. Mm-hmm. And when you think about, you know, as people are planning in their communities that not only do we have to, you know, be cognizant of the fact that we have to protect and preserve these invertebrates, these pollinators. So how is it that, you know, have you seen success in communities where you are boots on the ground and people are listening? Can you give us an example? Yeah, of course. I mean, there are a number of um, cities across the country because, I mean, we were talking about Washington, D.C., but there's so much that can be done at more local levels, either with city councils or um, state or or county councils. And that's often the area, the level that we're working at. And so we're working with cities across the country to help them adopt more regulation and restrictions on the use of insecticides, for example. Typically, that's on on city-owned or public-owned land because you often can't um, regulate what happens on on private land. Um, But we're doing that in cities uh, um, uh, across the country. We also now have the Bee City USA initiative as part of the Xerces Society. That was set up in um, 2012 by Phyllis Stiles, um, and she ran it with a few volunteers to help her for about six years and then realized that it just got too big for her. And so she approached us and said, would we take on running and supporting this this program? Um, And Bee City USA and its sister program, Bee Campus USA, is a grassroots um, initiative so that local communities who want to protect pollinators can become part of this larger organization. But to do that, they, they have to adopt a resolution that says that you know they're dedicated to pollinators they're going to be creating habitat for pollinators they're going to be reducing their pesticides um, to to make the area safer and they're going to do education and outreach activities Um, and that's something that's now in close to um, 150 communities across the country have now um, taken on that that task and that that the thing that i love about that is it's driven completely by the local people it's not anybody going in and saying, hey, you have to do this. It's enthusiasm and motivation of local people. So, Matthew, where if somebody wanted to find more about the Xerces Society, what, where would you like them to go to find out about how can we maybe adopt to become a B-City USA or just bring education to our community leaders? A very good place to go is our website, um, and the URL for that is xerces.org, so that's X-E-R-C-E-S dot O-R-G. Um, and you can go there and you'll find information um, about what you can do to um, put flowers in or create nest sites or reduce pesticides or whatever you want to do to help pollinators and, and all sorts of other um, insects. But if you want Bee City USA in particular, the website for that is bcityusa.org. Awesome. We have to go to break. We come back. I'm going to pick up with Matthew Shepard, who is the Director of Communications and Outreach for the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation. We'll be right back. 
If you want the best tax and legal secrets used by successful real estate investors today, contact Sherry Hill, the wealth protection diva at Sage International Incorporated, a local company that's been helping new as well as seasoned real estate investors for over 23 years protect their hard-earned wealth today. To schedule a free 30-minute consultation with Sherry, call 775-786-5515. That's 775-786-5515 to strategize with the Wealth Protection Diva today. Call Sage International. It's so sweet. The Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is coming February 22nd through the 24th in Urington, Nevada, the hub of Lyon County. You will love learning about why bees are the coolest and products for beehives that are used in health and beauty. Kids of all ages can take part in the hive decorating contest and the honey tasting contest. The Nevada State Beekeepers Conference is pleased to present Dr. Samuel Ramsey, entomologist at USDA Bee Research Laboratory. Dr. Ramsey takes beekeeping to a whole new world. Want to become a beekeeper? Attend the workshop rotation to learn everything you'll need to get started, like how to collect pollen and honeycomb, not just the honey. You'll learn about the magic of propolis, how to read a hive frame, and so much more about pollinator habitat in your backyard. The 2019 Nevada State Beekeepers Conference, February 22nd through the 24th. This conference is great for beginners or advanced beekeepers. Space is limited, so register today. Go to nevadastatebeekeepers.org. That's nevadastatebeekeepers.org. It's so sweet. The Xerces Society manages the largest pollinator conservation program in the world. They work with farmers, gardeners, land managers, agency staff, and others to create habitat for bees, butterflies, and beneficial insects, and hundreds of thousands of acres of flower-rich habitat have been planted. They also offer certifications, Bee Better certification for farmers and food companies who are committed to supporting pollinator conversation in agricultural lands. And as we talked about earlier, Bee City USA and Bee Campus USA certifications for cities and schools dedicated to making the world safer for pollinators. Joining me today is Matthew Shepard, who is the Director of Communications and Outreach for the Xerces Society for Invertebrate Conservation. And Matthew, I want to talk a little bit about, you know, one of the biggest movements going on in the country right now is food, right? Know know your local food, making Mm -hmm. sure that people aren't using pesticides on your local food, farmers markets. And I'm going to guess that because of the work that you guys do all over the country, I'm sure all over the world, are you working with some of these big companies like General Mills or Whole Foods to help them, you know, backtrack and make sure the source of the food that they are producing and selling is protecting our pollinators? Yes, we, we do have collaboration with a, a significant number of businesses of all sizes. I mean, General Mills, you mentioned, that is one of the companies that we're working with and also some of their um, individual brands, such as Cascadian Farm or, or Cheerios. But we also are working with you know, companies all the way down to you know, individuals who are producing a, a single food product, more or less from their kitchens or... Uh, individual grocery stores who are uh, wanting to encourage their shoppers to be more aware of pollinators. And the kind of ways that we we work, um, you mentioned the the Be Better Certified program. 
Um, that is one um, which is actually a, a, a certification program where a, a farmer, a grower, or a food company can come forward and make an application. They have to be evaluated and assessed, and we can provide guidance to them, but we're separate from the assessment process. That's run by Oregon Tilth, um, one of the leading organic certifiers in the country. And to, to get the Be Better certification, seal that then you can put on your farm stand, take it to the farmer's market, put on the packaging and it reaches the grocery store. You have to ensure that you are putting in habitat on, on the supplier farms, that you're um, minimizing um, possible pesticide impacts on bees. And the, the, the underlying thing is that it has to be um, a, a standard that we as a conservation organization can stand behind and put our name to. So. You know, we actually demand some fairly significant steps to ensure that the, the farms are better for bees, because if they're not better for bees, then there's no point in us um, being included in it. Right. I imagine, so you work obviously with large organizations, individual farmers and land managers, conservationists. Mm -hmm. You know, how, how are you moving along? I mean, one of the biggest issues out there we talked about earlier, you know, people don't like bucks, yet they're so vital and important to our habitat overall. What about the pest companies, you know, the ones the, that go out and spray your house to kill the spiders and do all that? How do we start to educate consumers to go, maybe that's not always the best choice? Uh, gosh, that's a that's a big issue indeed, and it's also something that we're not directly working on. I mean, we're when, when I joined the Xerces Society, I was the fifth person to join the staff, and we're now um, 50 people. So there's been this massive growth in the years that I've been here, but we're still a relatively small organization compared to like the United States, <laughs> um, and we we just don't have the capacity to take on on everything. But really, with if, if it is a garden and a garden treatment, then the, the thing to do is for the, the gardeners to try and make sure they're a little more informed. And we do have our Bring Back the Pollinators campaign, which provides information for people and encourages people to reduce their pesticides. And part of that is we ask people to, to share the word. I mean, there's so much good information that can be shared from neighbor to neighbor. Um, and in places that we're, we're never going to be able to be in every neighborhood. But if we can get gardeners to talk to their neighbors and say, hey, you know, what is that stuff that you're putting on your lawn? Do you know what the impacts are? You know, is there a better way? Is, is there a, a, a less impactful way that, that you can achieve what you want in your yard without affecting my yard? then I mean, that, that may just be the, the best way to do it. Absolutely. And right now, a lot of us are receiving, you know, a lot of seed catalogs and thinking mm -hmm. about spring and spring planting. And you guys have a ton of information on your website, and it's spelled X-E-R-C-E-S dot org to really talk about, look at your region, plant plants that you know are going to grow best in your region without trying to introduce stuff that doesn't make any sense right and yeah. oh yes mm -hmm. i mean but i mean it's fairly well established that native plants are going to create a, a more sustainable environment for your yard and it's not that your yard has to look like a wilderness um, your yard can look like a beautiful garden you just think about the plants that you're using 
But that's not to say that there is no place for non-native plants, whether that's um, growing purple coneflower on the west coast or English lavender across the country. I mean, there, there are some great um, garden plants that are, are, are really good and can support a lot of pollinators. It's just if you're going to have a garden that supports wildlife, in particular insects, native plants are um, a better option. Well, not only that, but as you're planning or planning and plotting your garden to also be cognizant of, you know, better ways to manage that garden so you aren't using pesticides and mm -hmm. harmful products that not only affect the pollinators in the yard, but the birds and the people who inhabit there. Oh, yeah. I mean, and you can, um, a lot of people talk about beneficial insects. This is a place where insects are appreciated. You know, the, the beetles that eat other insects, um, the bugs that attack the other plant bugs, you know, the, the wasps that are laying their eggs inside the insects you don't want to have around. So there are, I mean, once you get your yard in balance, then you do have this incredible community of insects that are eating each other and, you know, doing all the stuff that makes a thrilling nature documentary. And you'd probably sit down for hours and watch lions chasing and eating things, but once you discover that you have these little tiny predators in your yard, you can sit around and watch those with just as much intrigue. And if you can get your yard in balance, and that also includes trying to make sure that you have good soil, because good soil conditions will lead to stronger plants, and stronger plants will lead to fewer pest problems. Um, and so in, in the end, you want to have a nice, diverse community that essentially controls itself by getting rid of the problem species. So would you say that the Xerces Society, I mean, your biggest function is education out there, really helping people understand. So to, you know, tell my listeners, you know, what's, what's one thing you would want to share with folks to either do or think about as a practice going forward? Yeah, I mean, if, if you want to help pollinators, you know, bees and butterflies, the one thing that if you can do it is to plant some flowers. It doesn't need a big plot of land. It could be you know, a square yard. If you can take a square yard, fill it with flowers, then you're going to have the beginnings of, of pollinator habitat. And if everybody can do that, um, then we'll get these little patches of flowers scattered across the neighborhoods and across our landscapes. And that will just begin to transform the landscapes and, and make them so much better for Insects. And what what is one of the biggest concerns that you guys are, I, I know you produced the article on the monarch butterflies and the decline of those. Are there other bugs that we should be just as concerned about? Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, there, there's evidence of just these massive declines in insects of all sorts. And often it's the ones that you thought were common. Well, I mean, we mentioned the monarch butterfly. That's much loved. It's an iconic butterfly uh, because it turns up everywhere, or at least it used to, but it's not anymore. Um, and so we are we are working on the on the monarch in particular. We also um, bumblebees. You'll find them in your yard, but probably not as many or as um, many different species. And so I mean, it doesn't really matter where you are. Um, there you will find species that you can be working on. I mean, just because there is a a stonefly that lives in one creek just below a glacier in the, in the Rockies doesn't mean that there isn't something that you can do in your, um, your neighborhood. You know, the, 
the landscaping around your, your office, your business campus, your local park, your garden. Um, ev everywhere that you work or live, there could be things that you can do. Absolutely. And you said you guys are based in a, a lot of cities across the nation. And certainly, you know, as someone in a community, you know, looking at as development grows and, you know, more and more people want to move into your community, then there should be some kind of requirement that, you know, the landscaping things like that. So it's it's really about just educating and letting people know and you know thank goodness there's a society like the Xerxes Society that is, you know, creating the information so that we can be a better informed person, right? I mean, this all comes down to each one of us as individuals making good decisions about our environments whether it's our in our home, our yard, our, you know, community, our neighborhood, like you said. So what, what's a final word you want to leave us with, Matthew? Oh, never give up. I mean, never think that you're too small to make a difference. Um, there, there's, a, there's one of those um, well-known expressions floating around now. It's like, you know, if you think you're too small to make a difference, try sleeping in a bedroom with a mosquito. You don't have to be big. You just have to be persistent, and everybody can make a change. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Once again, go out to the website, xerces.org. You can learn all about the Xerces Society, what they're doing, how we can help. And I want to thank you for being here with me today, Matthew. Well, thank you so much. All right. Thank you for tuning into the Sherry Hill Show, where business, and in this case, pollinators, are amplified.